They come from a dying world. They drift through the universe, pushed on by the solar winds. They adapt, and they survive. The function of all life is survival. Sleep. 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 From deep space, the seed is planted. Sleep. Sleep. Terror grows. Elizabeth, wake up! Get you when you sleep! Sit up! Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's got no detail, no character. It's unformed. All of a sudden, they're growing like parasites. Is it contagious? People are being duplicated. How do you know my name? I didn't tell you my name. I can't find anything in here that looks like a body. My side's nosebleed. It looked right at me. You're looking at it as if it was human. It was not human. Now, the classic fear begins to grow. We're being cornered. In a modern masterpiece of science fiction. They're barricading the street. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Get down. Starring Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams, Leonard Nimoy. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. From deep space, the seed is planted. Terror grows. Body snatchers. That's what I want to know. They're invading, is what I heard. Who are they? They're here. They're coming for you. They're here. Can't you see them? Did you all for this episode? Did you all watch the both? There was how mm-hmm. many movies? Two. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Two of them. Yeah. What? One's from the fifties and one's from the seventies. Uh, seventies. One's mm-hmm. fifty-six. One's seventy-eight. Somebody did his homework. Nice. I watched the movies. You know, uh-huh. it's it, sometimes it says it and, and read the Wikipedia pages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've I'm I'm behind. I've only seen the the Donald Sutherland. The, oh, the 70s you missed one. the good one. Get off. Yeah. Off. Right. Right. That's what I told Daniel. I told him I, I should be disinvited from this episode. Uh, and we should definitely make sure that you say a lot about the original version. Right. Mm-hmm. Perfect. The the less I have to talk, the better. <laughs> All right, so maybe what do you think? Should we first who's summarizing? Yeah, I mean, somebody should summarize them, just like the arc, and so we can compare them and then sort of you know just get that on the table, on the on the tabla, as they say. Do they? (laughs) Sur la table. So Daniel, yeah, why don't you summarize the two movies? Okay, well, you correct me. We'll we'll go through it together. Um, <clears throat> so the one from the fifties, isn't it? So it starts with this sort of frantic madman type running in to this place, police station, the police station. Yeah, they catch him. It's like Terminator, you know. And um, or Terminators like it. 
Well, no, because <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like that. So what happened? I saw he's, Terminator he's, first. He's so. like ranting and raving, and they think he's crazy, and they get a psychologist, a psychiatrist, psychologist, something to interview him. And he said, "I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. You got to believe me." And then he starts mm-hmm. to recount this story to the to the doctor, and it's a story of how he's in this small town, and suddenly these mysterious little flowers show up, and then they slowly discover that there are these pods. <laughs> They discover a dead body with no finger... Well, it looks like a dead body. It's a body with no fingerprints. And as it turns out, it's actually a body that comes out of these little pods. The flowers apparently, I don't know, they copy humans and then they grow these seed pods that give birth to replacement humans. And then as it turns out, there are more and more of them and the whole town is being overrun by them. And then there's one shot from a building window where they see the city center, the town center, and there are trucks passing out these pods. Apparently, these extraterrestrial life forms are here, and they're taking over. They're copying human bodies and replacing humans with humans. With some, yeah, some pseudo Borg, better humans, um, emotionless. Right, that's a big part of it. And then, what is it at the end? So he tries to escape. They get this girlfriend. Um, well, he smashes his own copy. He finds. But what? The, smash his own copy of what? He take doesn't he take a pitchfork and uh, he finds oh, his copy no, of himself. Four copies come out mm-hmm. in the original. Four and it happens in both of them. So four copies come out and then he stabs all of the he stabs his own with a pitchfork. Yeah, but he can't bring himself to stab his girlfriend's copy, right? Mm. And then when they're escaping, the thing is when you go to sleep, they replace you. So she goes to sleep, and then he finds her. Well, that's the weird thing, right? I want to address that. First, okay, like the mechanism of how um, the bodies get replaced or the body snatchers replace people right. because when you fall asleep, you wake up and but it's another body, the body snatcher has replaced you. I think it's your body, so I think in the original, the pod body is kind of stealing your essence as they explain it. It's it's learning who you are and kind of stealing mm-hmm. your memories. And I think it's kind of more like a download process before computers where it's downloading all your information into itself. Mm-hmm. And then once it's done downloading all of what you are, mm-hmm. it kind of just transitions into your body. And then there's a, a pseudo you that looks like you and sounds like you and talk, you know, everything, but it's part of the, this collective the organism. The pod body, it's your body that gets taken over. The pod body doesn't take you over. It, it's weird. Right, they replace you. But but at any rate, in the 50s one, like he gets away, he gets to another town, and then that's when the sort of narrative sequence sinks back up to the beginning. And, and it's, again, him telling the doctor, and then... Um, they're like, all right, he's crazy until someone walks into the police station with this giant pod. And they're like, hey, look what I found. Hey, check this out. Sausalito. <laughs> and then they say, what's this? I don't know. And then the, the doctor, you know, they, they exchange glances and it's like, oh my God, he's telling the truth. So he gets on the phone. He's like, all right, we got this. Don't worry. Call the authorities. We're going to take care of this. Right. This is, this is in the original movie. Right. Yeah. So there's a sort of optimistic call to action at the end. Like, we can do this at the end. And the original is... So one, one, another important thing that's different from the original to the second one, and we'll go on to talk about the second one, is that the original starts off in a small town. So this is a small town. It's Sausalito, right? I, it sounds I think. right. sounds right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it starts off there. So you're seeing all like uh, the, the, the connection between people is that they're supposed to know each other. These are all friends, small town, mm-hmm. you know, type of culture. And then um, since they know each other very well, they're able to recognize that 
there's certain things that are missing inside of people, you know, a certain part of them. It's it's not as explicit as the second one. And that's how they're able to recognize that um oh, it's a boy, their right? body has been snatched. It's not just the first person isn't the boy or is it the boy? The boy the boy doesn't want to go with his mother because right. he says that's not my mom. It's actually quite and then terrifying scene. The other lady is like, That's not my uncle. Right. And then yeah. So but they don't seem as weird as in the 70s one. Somebody summarize the 70s one so I don't have to keep talking. So please. the difference in the 70s one is the 70s one is basically in a large city. And you start off in the 70s. Is it San Francisco? It, I, I have no I'm idea. pretty sure it's New York. Oh, okay. So, all right, we're, we're in New York. And um, I guess it starts off and the main protagonist is a woman and she finds a flower. Well, it's... The difference in the first one is it, it's ex, it's much more explicit because you start off in space. In the first one, you don't find out that they're space aliens until late in the movie. In the first one, it's in space. You see this goo like wriggling around on some asteroid. RNA, DNA. Weird. Right. And then you see like a drop of something fall on a leaf. And then, you know, it, 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 it kind of these veins come out of it and it infects a leaf and it creates the first pod. And then. The protagonist, she picks up the pod and takes it home and her husband or boyfriend or whatever. Yeah. They, puts it, he put, they put it in a water thing next yeah. to the bed. And start- Ch- Chet's, Chet's right. It's San Francisco. My bad. Oh, no worries. There you go, Chet. I had a feeling it was California. All the weird shit happens in California. Yeah. Uh, they deserve it. Plus, it had to be California because the original is in L.A. It's in Sausalito next to L.A. because he's mm. trying to call mm. L.A. and... Oh um, right, right, right. And they mentioned Sausalito at the end of the the, the newer one. I'm pretty um, I'm pretty impressed with myself because I saw that movie several years ago, but uh, not not too not as many movies set in San Francisco as L.A. and New York. City. We're, we're all very impressed. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. True story. <laughs> <laughs> but and then the second one. Um, so basically, all the events seem to run the the same. Um, they go to some like um, massage or um, spa, mm-hmm. and that's where the first body is found. Of right, the, mm-hmm. the body snatchers, and then the the couple they meet there, they're of course freaking out, just the same as Jeff the first Goldblum. One. Jeff Goldblum, who's he is his character's annoying intentionally. Leonard <laughs> Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy's in it, um, and not not as Spock. I mean, yeah, he he's could a silly psych- spot. Just- he's like a psychiatrist. That <laughs> was know, a weird. You just don't know. Similar, similar, but wasn't right. wasn't the like psychology psychiatry subcurrent of it kind of weird? Like introduced in there. Like I feel like in the meantime, I don't know. Middle class people all got therapists, and so they were all interested in like the mind or something. I don't know because it was a major. Because one of the people said, "That's not my husband. That's not my hu- husband." And then Leonard Nimoy is trying to say, "No, it is your husband." Blah blah. Uh, and of course, it turns out that Leonard Nimoy is one of these things. Right. I mean, but that everything in the first one happens in the second one. The difference, I think, in the second one is that the second one is extremely explicit that these are space aliens mm-hmm. and they're sinister. So the first one, you kind of just recognize that people are finding out these people are different and it's unsettling because they're emotionless. And in the second one, they seem to be vicious. Um, scary at least they do this thing where they're like yeah they do this scream and also Mm -hmm. like you see how the bodies get disposed of and right in the um second one it's your body that's getting disposed of you actually get taken over by the pod because you see um 
when people get taken over, their original body decays. Well, it, that mm-hmm. happens in the new in the newer one too, right? Because yeah, th- that's, that's what I'm saying. The newer yeah. one. That's that's okay, the gotcha, difference. Gotcha. Your new body actually your old your body decays and then the new body is formed. His girl his girl decays in his arms. Yeah, touching scene. Yeah, it's sad, disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> so the second one is very much more explicit and like um the social aspect seems to be more um of a commentary on. I guess since it's a larger city on what the state can do, because they kind of do a throwback to the original where the crazy guy runs up to their car right. mm-hmm. and they don't believe him. Mm-hmm. And that's when they see the scene where all the people are congregating around this guy who gets hit. It's by, like zombies almost. They go oh, running yeah. after him. And um, so it's, it's, it's a little bit different in how they portray the, the aliens is more um, uh, vicious in, in, in how they're, you know, Snatching the body. Although, uh, uh, on the other hand, in the in the newer one, the when Leonard Nimoy comes into the um, Department of Health at the sort of near the end, uh, start or is it Jeff Goldblum? I'm not sure. One of them starts talking about the fact that they were victimized on their own planet and that they have their own right. kind of it's trauma that they're trying to. It's yeah. not Nimoy. Yeah. So, which doesn't exist in the first. This idea of like we're victims and now we're we're coming here to uh, play out our our victimhood and, our and it trauma. will be better. Like when you join right. us, you'll see. It's better, but the so thing they is, they say that uh, in the old one too. Oh, they do. Okay, yeah, because yeah. life without emotion, and then there, yeah, in the old one too, there was this scene where the woman says, "I don't want to. I, I love love. I want passion." Blah blah blah. Right. It's like, oh, I mean, it's it's, it's made with the Hollywood method. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 the thing, right? That was that was the time. One is made with the Hollywood method. One is, um, oops, go ahead. Uh, one is made with the Hollywood method. What's the other one made with? Uh, well, it's oh, oh, go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. I mean, I, I haven't seen the first one, but or were you saying like the first one is just more old school Hollywood? Yeah. Um, the second one has uh sort of that uh new I don't know new kind of there's a there's a new cynicism there. Yes. After, right. after like this is after Martin Scorsese and you know Roman Polanski's Chinatown mm-hmm. and a much more a much more violent sexually open hollywood also um, after stagflation and the dawn of neoliberalism <laughs> and financialization yeah, yeah, yeah. and the <laughs> vietnam war and uh, oh yeah, yeah right, cold right. war <clears throat> no not after the cold war well i but i mean what was it brezhnev that would have been in power then mm-hmm. so i mean those were dark days for whom no one had the hope towards the future i think in that point what do you mean 78 yeah like like no one in 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 USSR, no one in the U.S., no probably one anywhere. Both, probably both. Huh. Okay. I mean, it just was it's just a bleak situation. Like the economy sucked. How, how would know? you all ascribe uh, Donald Sutherland's class position, by the way? Because in the original, the male protagonist is a doctor, and it's pretty right. clear that he's an upper middle class figure. Mm-hmm. The woman that he gets with is a divorcee who has no job, um, and it seems like a very different situation. And I couldn't quite figure it out because, uh, one, I was assuming it was New York the whole time, but I couldn't understand how someone <laughs> would have so much property in a major city working for the Department of Health. And I also wasn't sure, you know, he wears a suit to work, but I don't, the 70s are different from today like i couldn't quite figure out what kind of uh class uh um Zuschreibung, sorry uh, nice, um, what, what kind of class uh donald southern is supposed to belong to was he like a police commissioner or is that like a, so, a, a upper middle class job i don't know nice three-piece suit in fact um 
they're both public servants, so like bureaucrats. Well, no, in the original, he's a he's 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 a general practitioner. He's, he's a doctor. Petty bourgeois, and I in the in the one from the fifties and the one from the seventies, yeah. I would say a general more like, practitioner was not petty bourgeois in the nineteen fifties. Yes, it was an independent a doctor with his own practice is absolutely petty bourgeois. Independent, like, like his own private practice. Yeah. Is yeah. that what you're saying? But okay. in the seventies one, it's PMC, right? They work for the state. It's unproductive labor. I don't know. I I think the point of how both characters are set up, though, is that they're in positions of authority in their community because Donald Sutherland's character um, has a lot of connections with powerful people. Like Leonard Nimoy's mm-hmm. character is the the psychiatrist of the mayor. The, the most um, influential. He yeah, writes a book. Yeah. And stuff. yeah uh, well, it starts, but it's funny, though. It starts Donald Sutherland finds a rat turd in a fancy French restaurant. Right. That was fantastic. <laughs> no, I mean, the fact it's that he... The fact that he runs the 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 um not the raid but the um the search at the beginning you know suggested to me kind of like a law and order police commissioner kind of position. Yeah, he which, has authority, right? Well, but, but on the other end, like you know, a working person. Right, 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 I mean, right. He is he's sort of like you he, know he's playing with rat poop. Right. Yeah, but I think the point of setting the two characters up the way they are is that they're trusted members of the community. So you have to set them up both as if they would be able to recognize something that's in discord with, you know, the normal goings mm-hmm. on of a community where a doctor is, he's, he talks to everybody. He's trusted by everybody. So he knows what's going on. The health inspector, he's an inspector of, of a sort, right? So he knows what's going on. And then um, so is the, 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 the lady who's the other protagonist. I don't know who played her. If either of you know or want to want to look that up, oh, I forget. Um, so we're not just calling her the lady. Yeah, what she she was a uh, she was in some some good old Hollywood movies. But um, what was her name? She's kind of. Sorry, are um, we talking about the seventies version? Yeah, yeah. Brooke Adams. Brooke, Brooke Adams. Adams. Yeah, okay. I recognized her from something. I couldn't so, tell what it was. Brooke Adams character. We don't care about the fifties people's names. Um, they're from the fifties Hollywood method. They're they're robots. Um, but <laughs> they're already body snatched. But we should talk about the ending though, because the ending is the difference. The endings are subtly different, but very different in, in the one change. Because and and I, I I like the change in the um the second one better. I like the ending a little bit better. It's bleak because at the end of the second, at the end of the first one, the guy again he goes to the police station and he explains to the psychiatrist i'm not crazy this is happening and then they miraculously find a pod and they're like oh he's not bullshitting us let's let's go get him boys america go at him right that's the feeling Um, and then in the second one but also in the first one when the female protagonist dies when his lady dies he tells her i love you i love you and then he goes back and she basically gives up and goes to sleep and gets taken over and you know he continues you sound to like fight. Biden talking about the Afghans. She gives up. She doesn't oh, fight enough. Oh, oh, <laughs> Give shit. her a break. Hey, I she's mean, fucking invaded she's by aliens. Sleeping. Yeah, they take speed not even. Not it's like, hey. take these. It'll help you stay awake. She, like, she fights as much as she can. She does not fight yeah. as much as she it's, can. It's also interesting, though. They're fighting sleep. I don't know what that precisely is supposed to mean. You know, you got to stay woke, buddy. Yeah. You didn't make that connection. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't have an out. So that in me. Well, maybe go to maybe wokeness is uh, some body snatching. We'll argue about how her lack of of, of fight and 
My thing is they set her up like that, and I I don't I don't like when they they set up a female like that myself. It's boring. But um, she she gets weak in the end. She falls asleep. You know, didn't have enough speed. Yeah. Didn't have enough uppers. Well, they also give him downers you know, when they he, catch him. Yeah, yeah. They no, they they didn't because they, they give him sedatives. In the original, they didn't because. In the original, they explain if you give them sedatives, then they lose the connection to the pods. Oh, that's the old one. Okay, okay, okay. Right? We got them mixed up. So they didn't do that in the original. So they're just trying to stay up. Um, and this is coming from a guy who just is dealing with some insomnia. So I have no problem staying up right now. So I don't identify with the the, the lady falling asleep in the yeah. least. Um, to save the world, you better stay awake. Well. But the point is, she falls asleep and the guy leaves her behind. So... And he goes and he finds the police and he, you know, saves, potentially saves America and the world. In the second one, <laughs> when the lady dies, the guy gets pissed and he destroys the factory making the pods, but it's not enough, right? And yeah. then, uh, who is it? Leonard Nimoy finds him again. And he basically, I think what the, the sentiment is, is that he wants to be back with her. Like, if if, if she's not there, if the world's you know, all turn into shit. Who am I to stay alive in this world turning to shit? Can't beat I'm just him. Gonna get, join can't him. beat him, join him. Find Which, a zombie and get bit. I don't know. Um, like sentimentally, I think it's a more I don't know, you could you could take it as it's it's a more communal notion. Like Well, that's the thing. It's the individual versus the collective, I feel like, in there. But the end is different. What's the like in well, the my- yeah. Sorry, my, my understanding was at the end of the of the 1978 version was mm-hmm. that it's ambivalent up until the point where he screams that you're not quite sure is he playing along and living right. in the society or is he one of them and then but I you know the 70s is clearly like a step for feminism like the woman the main female protagonist actually has a job and the the right. the person who turns out to have actually been able to resist the whole time is you know the yes. second female lead who normally like is a, a role that has no redeeming qualities at all. And she's the one who actually, uh, you know, resists. And then when Resist. she comes out and it, it reveals herself to Donald Sutherland, then we, and he screams and you realize, Oh, Donald Sutherland is also one of them. Yeah. So, so basically of the four people who are trying to escape, only one of them, it turns out actually was able to avoid them because they discovered that if you just act like you don't have emotions and walk around like a zombie, they respond to you better and don't try to, snatch your body or whatever but mm-hmm. in the end he she he he comes across her he's walking around like a zombie and then she looks at him and says oh my god hey you know it's you are, hey um are we okay and then he just he looks at her and And then she's obviously mortified because she knows that he's been had and she's like alone by herself. And then it just closes. For all of us kids who watch Pokemon as kids, <laughs> they, they scream like Aerodactyl. Yeah, That's what yeah. they scream like. <laughs> and the real, real trippy thing to think about is what if even then he's acting? Like his body, uh, his body has oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But he is galaxy still, this guy. yeah, yeah. But that's <laughs> saving just part his own of him ass. Playing along, yep, saving his own ass. Careerist, yeah. neoliberal careerist. All right. So, so what does it all so, mean? Yeah, that's Danielle. You think this is all anti-communist, right? Well, the question is, who are the body snatchers? And when I think in terms of the fifties, 
the individual feelings, love versus the collective, um, it just seemed like Cold War dynamics determined that. Whereas in the 70s one, it's obviously different. We can talk about that, but I don't know. I mean, you could probably plug in anything. I think that's what you think, right, Amy? You could plug anything into yeah. that. I think being like, as far as like the movie, I think both of them are about society at large. I don't like you. You have the tendency to think that 1950s, yeah, it's anti-communist, but um, McCarthyism. Sure, but I I was also thinking like with the Hollywood method. Of course, there's a connection to propaganda of the state, but there were still artists at the time who who want to be provocative, right? And this is generally, I, I wouldn't say the 50s are like the middle of the Cold War. It's still like the beginning. The, the end of the beginning of the Cold War, right? Um, Sorry, what, what year was the 56. First? 56, okay. So I'm still thinking maybe there's some artists out there that want to be provocative because the male protagonist, he gives a whole monologue about how society drains emotion from everybody and eventually you're going to become one of the body-snatched people regardless of whether or not it's done to you by an alien or done to you by society. So he says that in the original, it's just made extremely explicit that that's the point in the second one. So it's like individualism resisting. Right. But on, I mean, on the other hand, the McCarthyist sort of blacklisting is still going. I mean, McCarthy is McCarthy's gone, but the blacklisting still goes on until the early 60s. So hmm. you certainly like a certain kind of provocativism can't happen. So what did you think, Amy? You, you saw it in more general terms, right? You didn't think it was about. I mean, I thought it was an anti-conformist piece. Um, if you, you know, I don't think that the artists who were involved, like, uh, were uh, anti-communist. Um, I think generally the piece in in both in both uh, versions is kind of, I mean, a typical kind of American uh, valorization of individual autonomy whether it's against, you know, communism or against fascism or against any kind of authoritarianism, there's no kind of ideology behind the aliens, but the individual and individual free will is, is the good guy in both. And then there's just no hope in the last, I was thinking, I had to think of you, Chet, your Ralph Waldo Emerson. Was it Ralph Waldo? Who is it? Uh, Self-reliance? Uh, yeah, I think that's Ralph Waldo Emerson. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed like that kind of thing running through it. But in the 70s one, there's obviously no hope held out at the end. There's just this one person who escaped, and she's obviously going to get it. It's more cynical. Mm. All right, so. Well, I got a second question before we all right. go into your soul. Who, who are the villains, the body snatchers or um, the humans? <laughs> Those, yeah, I mean, I, but I, honestly, in the second one, when when Jeff Goldblum comes back as a as a pod person, I have to say I was kind of like I was kind of seduced by it. He was like, you know, it's better. It's 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 great to be one of us. I was like, you yeah, know, maybe maybe he's right. His behavior his behavior certainly makes more sense when you know that he's a pod person. Because in the first one, even the the society, everyone in the in the beginning of the first one, it starts off that everyone's coming to his office and he's booked because everyone has these problems. But then when their bodies get snatched, no one has any problems. Right. You know? It's like, Although they all are working for free, sending these pods around. Like, what are they living off of? How are they buying food? I mean, they're plants now. They have sunshine <laughs> and rain. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> and they're in California. They're, they're, they're good. <laughs> Until climate change comes. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's what's going on right now. That the body snatchers are real. It was a documentary. 
and they had to they, we have to create climate change so they pre- they presented it as plants. fiction in order to sneak the message out to everyone right like, watch out everybody yeah just in case it gets really bad we'll understand what's happening just like you know terminatorism a uh, uh, documentary about the future um but the question you raised interesting like when I, when I saw uh, Blade Runner, I thought something similar. Like, first you think, okay, these bad replicants, right? No, you mm. don't. Well, at first I thought, well, the first time I saw it, I didn't oh. know what, you know, what's going on. I thought, okay, these murderous things, right? But then you start to think, my God, no, the replicants, I mean, if to be a human is just a struggle to stay alive, and the replicants are more human than the humans who are trying to kill them, making them to work and kill them because, you know, it's like a worker. You're made to work and then mm-hmm. you're thrown away when you're done. And the replicants say, no, fuck you. Um, I have a right to live as much as anybody. This is totally fucked up. Uh, everything I know is a lie, and uh, I'm just you know doing this for peanuts, and I'd rather live. And then you think, my God, I have more sympathy for the replicants. And so you're saying, like, who are the baddies here? The the pod people or the the darn humans? Well, the movie makes it abundantly clear because they they're literally sucking all the emotion out of you. <laughs> so <laughs> like they have but- no emotion. Which, but emotion, I mean, I don't know, like, do, it seems like uh, the movie's all about, like, let's create a safe space for the leading couple, for them to be protected from the the desire of, of the collective. There's a way of reading that as, like... Yeah, sure, romance is it, antisocial. It's a stretch, but also in the first one, I don't... The, the first one, for what it is, being as, like, campion, like, Hollywood <laughs> as it is, um... You know, if you have no emotion, you can't even recognize whether or not something's good or bad. Like that, that kind of is what comes off in the first one. You don't like they say it's good, like it's good. But they also say, yeah, you're not going to love her and you're you're not going to care. So it's devoid of any feeling, let alone not just emotion. So they're beyond good and evil. Yeah. They're just, you know, like if anyone again watches Futurama, it's my favorite when they're on the uh, the neutral planet. And there's a war and one of the aliens is like, and he's dying. And he's like, tell my wife, I said, hello. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> that's what's going on in, in, in the first one more than the, the second one. So, no, I don't want to be in the position of I'm dying and I tell my wife, hello. That's, that's all I got left. That, that kind of sucks. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. the, the second one is a little bit more about the collective and they seem to have more feeling in them after they turn into pod people. Well, they have they have more huh. dedicated to a cause, right? Did, did you guys ever watch Star Trek as yeah. like in the eighties, like the you know Patrick Which, Stewart? So the oh yeah, the, yeah. And the Enterprise. I don't know. Next, the next generation. Next, next generation. generation. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was I guess born in the eighties. Yeah, nice. Anyways, um, but there were the the the, the Borg, and right. that to me seemed like a very clearly kind of. Uh, allegory to the Soviet Union, like always talking about the collective and about right. like the strength that comes through the collective and stealing um, and, people's technology and all that stuff. And exactly, exactly, like that seems to me like a much clearly, more clearly anti-Soviet kind of uh, allegory than the, the body opponent. Smashers. The opponent of the Borg is called the Enterprise. Ooh, <laughs> that's capitalism. <laughs> Oh, right, right, right. Although in Star Trek, they're supposed to be beyond capitalism. Oh, they they're communists. Yeah. But they, they, they changed that a little bit in uh, The Next Generation in Deep Space Nine. They have <laughs> money. They do. In the original, it's, 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 it's explicitly communist. They talk about how uh, the, like, um, uh, the Earth goes through a war and they have to make the decision 
do we want to keep on fighting or are we going to work mm. together? And then the guy develops interstellar space and the Vulcans come and, you know, teach us how to be rational and be a part of, you know, uh, the, the, the Federation. Um, but in um, the next generation and in Deep Space Nine, Deep Space Nine is a little more philosophic, which is fine. I have, I've only seen season one of that. But um, you start getting money and you start seeing merchants and shit like that, which is mm. it's dang. Yeah. A little, oh, I was gonna nah. say it's the NEP yeah. <laughs> New economic policy. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. And they start to realize that, you know, you know, markets can actually spur innovation and markets uh, subsumed under socialism that can shit. actually... It's, it's, it's socialism with interstellar characteristics. Yes, there you go. If, if, if we're using Star Trek as, as like which one is better or worse as like <laughs> our judge for what form of socialism is better or worse, <laughs> communism is better because well, the original Star Trek is the best. I mean, there's Mao communism, there's Deng communism, there's Stalin. I'm just, I'm just saying we're using Tito. Star Trek because in Star Trek, Captain Kirk goes around teaching alien women how to love and that, that that's it you know and then like patrick stewart in the next generation is like a little bit patrick stewart can't and, teach anybody how to nah, love he's not he's not teaching anyone how to love so I'm, I'm gonna go with the original i wanted to ask which of these pop culture references would be titoist socialism but never mind that like who are the body snatchers <laughs> oh yeah you we still need i've been reading more on yeah. yugoslavia so we need to do our yugoslavia episode so go on uh, to the so so i was i was wondering okay because you know after years of literary critical education I, my mind starts to wander and i'm thinking in terms of metaphors actually this is motivated by something jamal said he referred to the strategy of, of leftists in socialist spaces, rad libs and anarchists. He calls it this, the, he called it the, without much reflection, he just sort of said it, and I, my imagination ran with it, the body snatcher method. Wait, why didn't you have him on this episode? He, he doesn't do <laughs> films, apparently. He oh. only does novels and video games. Ooh. Sorry. Just Shout out to Jamal. Right. That's, you tell him next time that's a silly I do it all. We do it all here, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> so, so I think the thesis is basically you get rad libs and anarchists. They go into socialist organizations and they say they're socialists and they look like socialists. Yeah. And they, they, I think they also think they're socialists. Yeah, they do. This, this sounds like Jamal, but go on. But then, but, then they're, but then they say that the DSA is an abolitionist organization and they talk about uh, trans rights instead of the means of production and... Um, full employment or, or whatever, you know, class struggle. Um, they may, they may refer to that, but what they're actually working on is, is, um, a radical liberal, uh, program. But the point is that at the end of it, there's no, there's no socialist organization, which doesn't feel like it has to express its views in the language of intersectionality or somehow engage with the, the, couch itself in in liberal terms basically and i mean that in like a technical sense like the way that liberals frame stuff so at the end of the day all you've got is a bunch of body snatchers left and then the conservatives don't like socialism because they think it's uh you know the the Sorry. yeah D daniel whose body are they snatching i don't i don't know help me the i'm just running with this this is that that is that is the question and this is what i meant and not to you know not to dunk on or speak ill of somebody who can't be here to defend himself but i hope maybe if he listens to this he doesn't listen to this no. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe jamal can come on to defend his point of view but I've, I've noticed this ever since i've known jamal 
um, you know, we're, we're, we're good friends. We have good conversations, but he'll do this. He'll, he'll say like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll be talking about a particular public figure. And he'll say, oh, uh, she's not a real Marxist. Mm-hmm. Or, or we'll be talking about somebody else. And he'll ask, oh, is, is he a Marxist? Or, or you know, um, mm-hmm. oh, oh, there he's a he's a real Marxist. And it's I mean, you, you see the assumptions built in here. It's just it's just an individualist framework all the way down. Will the real Marxists please stand up? That's the problem. It's not the true left. It's not the true Marxist. Right. It's no, not the true no true Scotsman yeah. thing. There's no democracy within the left. Um, sort of. Yeah, it's not about individuals in our little precious like little boxes that we're able to check. It's just about what we're able to do. Right. Um, this is what the most powerful communist parties throughout history, that's how they defended their claims. They said, this is how many people we lifted out of poverty. This is where literacy was when we took power. This is where it is now. This is how we've developed the forces of production. And this is how we've made sure that the ownership of that production stays within the, the workers. Um, and that's, that's just what you have to point to. You can't, individuals are not real, you know. Sure, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. I see what anyway. you're saying. I see what you're saying. But nevertheless, the claim does hold in some sense that if you look around at the people who call themselves socialists, they're, the, the form is socialist, but the content being advocated is not particularly. So they're not particularly concerned with socialism. Here's, here's how I put it to Daniel as, as like using another tortured metaphor. Um, it's like a CIA op, if you think about it that way. Instead of thinking who is this and who is that, it's like if someone is infiltrating an organization or trying to suss out um, the implications of an ideology or how it's going to affect power, the CIA comes in and they're bringing in faux socialists to um, socialists to de-radicalize, you know, a movement, right? To 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 basically destroy all of those results that you're talking all about, all those emotions to mitigate them, right? So in order to do that. They do individualize the people, right? And they have to present themselves as socialists, quote unquote. So I think what Daniel is asking with these people coming into socialism, are they kind of working as um, operatives? Mm-hmm. Or unwittingly. Unwittingly. That's, that's, working the pod as part. that's the pod part. You don't. Um, which was interesting when Chet was talking about Donald Sutherland's character. Was he going along to get along at the end of the movie when he screams at, you know, the, the last woman standing? Um, interesting that the last one standing is a woman, too. And like what's interesting with that is you have a lot of people, in my opinion, that are going along to get along with what socialism is. So in order to do that, how you just show no emotion um, in the movie to, to not get caught by the body snatchers, that's, that's how you get along with them. You have to create a certain culture within socialism that people can go along with in order to be abs- accepted for your operation to work. So then if no one's following those rules, you can point out and say, that person's not a real socialist, get rid of them. And while you're doing that, you're not getting anything done. So that becomes the operation rather ah, than yeah. working towards those results that Chet is talking about. Yeah, a code, a code to establish group cohesion. Yep. Which is yeah. So you're saying that the DSA or was exclusion, in- more more or less. Yeah, so you're yeah. saying that the DSA was invented by the CIA in order to make a middle class suburban leftist kids bicker with each other and do feminist process and take votes. Well, I, I don't know if I would go that far, but you do. I mean, you know, regardless of Michael Harrington and that founding group, uh, regardless of their individual inclinations or whatever, uh, the the FBI they they do you know sort of what you described. They, they go in because this is an organization with a decent sized membership uh, that is identifying explicitly as socialists and you're in the you're in the Cold War 
And the FBI goes in and, and finds out what the DSA is all about. And I mean, this is publicly available information. They conclude, and I think it holds true to this day, that this is simply um, the left wing of the Democratic Party. It operates to, to bring disaffected radicals back into the Democratic Party fold and continue to reinforce uh, capitalism, capitalist domination. And it's just it's just a, a buffer force for disaffected radicals, especially young people. Boom. Body snatched. I've, <laughs> I've heard also horror stories of documents that have been found out about by activists from the 60s and 70s and stuff. And they were finding that like publications were paid for and people were put into groups to like make stupid debates to like bring up nonsense debates to just paralyze That's organizations. The dialectic. Yeah, a few a few good books on this. Francis Stoner Saunders, The Cultural Cold War, mm. and uh, I forget the name of the author, but uh, a book called Finks. Uh, these two cover just cover a ton of that stuff in depth. Really interesting. And stuff. so when an agent provocateur infiltrates and gets everyone to start talking about nonsense, and then all the people are like, yeah, that sounds kind of good, they've been body snatched as well, I guess. Yeah, um, and another, like... Daniel's been talking about what happens on the socialist left, but I think I'm wondering how that project functions on the right, right? W within oh conservatism. I'm glad you brought that up. Sorry. Um, Cause like I, in my life, I've gotten it from both ends. I, I grew up in a church and I've been to many churches. I've been to Mike Pence level churches where the women and men are separated on different sides of the church. God damn. Um, where you kneel uh, to, 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 to pray um, in the church where you have to learn how to sing. You, you, you practice because being a child who can't sing is fine because you're learning, but it's, you're not um, living up to the standards of the glory of God if you're an adult and you, you, you can't hit a note. So you, you better learn, you know, if you're alto, soprano, tenor, or baritone, and, and you, you better learn how to, how to sing that shit. For God. For God. Right. You better look good for God. All that good stuff. Right. But I will say they were like as far they're pleasant people. Let me not say good or bad, but they're 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 people who take care of each other. Emotionless, would you say? Oh, ooh. yeah, they're weird. They, they, there is there is a certain emotionlessness. Pod like to them features because they 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 have there's a standard and you can see this this um, it's not fake, but they know the rules. Once you establish rules, all people have to do is live up to that standard and they look exemplary. So that's that's what you witness in the church. So in the right there, there is a sense of being body snatched. But politically, I don't think it lends as much because. Are you raising your hand? No, I'm doing that to get the smoke out of your face. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, Daniel's I, I, smoking indoors right now. I don't think it lends as much because the body snatchers aren't ultra aggressive, maybe more in the second one. They're not um, like um, kidnapping people and, you know, we're going to kill you and make you um, one of us type of thing. You, know, you don't have to keep your arm. Like uh, I, I, was, I, think, I was being dramatic. I think I like the smoke. The, the anti-smoking people, they are body snatchers. Amy, wow. you're being awfully quiet. What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> Is Amy still there? Did we lose Amy? You still with did us? You say, did you say my name? Yeah. 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 What do you think? Didn't hear your name. Do I think that anti-smoking people are body snatchers? Like they all used to smoke, and now they're like, like radical. They're like anti-smoking Jacobins. Right? I think. I think to bring up an old argument, you know, I'm going to let Amy answer. Is that you're the person who's smoking, and you don't want to put in the work to get away from the body snatchers, so you fall asleep, and then I'm carrying you into the fucking the the what is that the mine shaft and. Do all this work, you fall asleep anyway because your body's not prepared. You didn't take your stimulants. 
and then you get caught and you die in my arms and I have to be sad and, you and say, I love you. Yeah, like, but why would you do that to me? <laughs> so the interesting thing that I'm getting from this is the suggestion of, of substitution in, in leftist. I mean, we also talked about the right mm-hmm. or we, we wanted to talk about the right and haven't gotten there yet, but about the left, the way that, that substitutes are substitutes for issues and debates are being uh, sort of implemented into what should be actually sort of the radical left uh, that are prevent that are keeping it tied deeply to liberal uh, ideology. That's what I'm getting from. Right. So, right. So just to give the, the easy example, like the old left, so the old left, new left around 1962, I think C. Wright Mills writes this letter to the new left. He's saying like the Vanguard is going to be the intellectual, basically college students. And, um, and then they sort of run with this and, um, you know, they thought the old left was too tied to labor and too tied to Marxism and that stuff is all reactionary. It's not progressive enough. And so now we need to focus on individual rights, civil rights, cultural issues. And, and then the labor goes out the, I mean, cause people say, you know, the workers aren't against the Vietnam war enough. It's not good enough. And we're going to have to go on our own. I mean, that's, that's, mm. that, that is an example of what I mean, Amy, what do you does that so substituting? Okay, we're still socialists, but we don't. We're not concerned about labor above all or capital. This kind of all. reminds me of something. There, uh, there was a debate recently, or I don't know, a, a conversation between Walter Ben Michaels and Adolf Reed Jr. And I don't remember which of them talked about this, but uh, about the fact, that, like something of like affirmative action in universities, whereas. If you, um, you know, uh, having affirmative action on the basis of in, in any, and this doesn't have to be colleges, but, I, you know, if you're looking about sort of creating gender parity or about um, making sure that um, ethnic distribution is representative or even above representative, um, that you wouldn't, you don't really have to change much about the institution or the organization of the institution. Right. But if you, if you were to do class, you would have to kick out 98% of the current student body and replace it with a, a very different group of people. Um, and the institution would wildly change actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it just seems to me that with what you're talking about, the sort of the substitution of these issues that ultimately by, uh, you know, talking about things that are not specifically class, you end up having uh, a leftist movement that doesn't have to be committed to any kind of actual change in their own lives. Because, you know, we are ultimately talking about upper middle class right. uh, people who, um, I, I, she'll never hear this, someone I, I think about with this, she's really committed to anti-racist work in the university context. Um, and uh that's really convenient for her because it doesn't at all endanger her job or her work. Uh, it actually helps her work because she spoke focuses specifically on race in her research. So if people are you know interested in those issues, she gets more grant money. Um, but that actually it's not, of course, changing the the structure, the power structure in either her institution or in in the political sphere. Or developing material economic productivity. It's not developing the material forces. It's just efficiency maximization and so forth. <laughs> Right. And that seems to me, so if we're talking about substitution, what? like, you know, sort of fake leftist issues that are being implemented in the name of uh, actual leftist issues. That would be uh, one example I could think of. What is so funny about what I just said? Oh, it's just your delivery. Like, uh, you know, most people don't talk that way. I don't know. I'm not. 
I'm not an expert in, in economics. Well, either I've been body snatched or I haven't. I don't know what that means. I mean, that goes back to our old debate. There's a few interesting things that came up um, that I, I, I wish I could backtrack and like hit them all. But well, the, the, okay, the one thing this is what you you talked about that CW Wright Mills mm-hmm. or is it C Wright Mills or is it mm-hmm. CW I think so. J-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-
whereas no one, no one cares about the fact that, I mean, of course, it's the British royal family. Uh, they are imperialists and have uh, had, continue to have, uh, you know, um, investments in, uh, you know, diamond mines and, and right. well, genocide know, not, in India. I mean, um, a, a number, a number of stakes that are, of course, exemplify the racism of this institution. But then, you know, you can't. Meghan Markle doesn't feel welcome into the royal family, and then suddenly the queen is racist. Uh, uh, I, I feel like now I'm in the position of devil's advocate to defend leftists. But who, like, who's an example of of leftists or leftists who's uh, who's spoken up uh, in support of Meghan Markle in this manner? crickets uh, yeah i think like Amy? yeah i mean i'm i'm well maybe I mean, let's like, say the watered down left-leaning sort of i don't know extinction I think rebellion about all, of the all of the discourse around like there's sort of a whole a whole group of of celebrities uh who are involved in, in that and who are sort of champions where I, of where i see so, this coming from let, let me say something like i have a problem with it. it's not necessarily like um the Meghan Markle thing, I'll, I'll kind of agree with Chet on that one. Like, I don't see many leftists that that give a damn about Meghan Markle and hadn't originally seen. Well, the, Beyonce, the, she's the a queen. feminist, right? And she'd probably be pretty upset about that. Well, Beyonce's not a leftist. Yeah, I right? was gonna say we're yeah. It, it, <laughs> no, it's a, it's a tricky taxonomy. Beyonce um, and Jay Z just did a an ad for Tiffany's. But right? I think a lot of social like what is it called? Um, left neoliberals would understand themselves as leftists and social justice warriors, but they really care about equal opportunity exploitation. So these people maybe would be, I think, are the people Amy would be referring to. Sure, right? but I think that's being that that's confusing liberals for leftists, right? Or you're saying this this is the part of the left that is liberal uh, that you're talking about. If if we're talking about the don't socialist, me, he's left, asking you. <laughs> if, if we're talking about the socialist left, I don't I don't see the socialist left having that issue. The, I think the, the, the socialist left that I see having an issue is the creation of their new celebrities. I right? think you, leftists you, are just crimson liberals, but whatever. I, whatever, but I'm I'm talking about the, the the socialist left. The problem I see in this vein is the creation. Like when Chet was talking about a, a certain someone who isn't here today. <laughs> about how this person isn't a socialist, this person isn't a socialist, and you often hear, you know, AOC isn't this, this person isn't yeah. this, and oh, none of that perfect. shit matters. Perfect example right? of a body uh -huh. snatcher. AOC. But my, uh -huh. my, my thing is, is that we, we've created celebrities, yeah, right? And, and like media celebrities. We've created political celebrities, and then we put all yes. our emotions into these celebrities, <laughs> and what becomes important is our emotions and how yes. they betrayed us. Yes. And, and that's... That's the problem that the new socialist <laughs> left is having rather yeah, than it's a perfect example. the idea of defending like like uh, identity politics. Um, who, who is we? So, so not we. I, I didn't say we. I the, said the pod yes, he said we. He said we created celebrities. Yeah, who is we? I embrace that. We. The body snatchers. Not, not um, even the body snatchers. Like everyone is a part of it. The media yes, they consume. Yes. Like. Um, so the media is the body snatcher. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, people create these media figures and then like, the, the I often metaphors. see listening to podcasts, yes. like you start getting into like beefs and I'm glad Para, I'm not on Twitter. Parasocial relationship. Yeah, in the parasocial relationship, people get offended when they learn someone has a million dollar home. Which is so, this which is, is, this is part of the reason why this podcast is doing so poorly, in fact, because we don't have this parasocial <laughs> thing. But, you, won't, you won't buy, you won't buy uh, ad revenue and then get that Patreon. Right. Thing. And here's the, here's the connection that I make with the left and the right 
in these relationships that they create, right? Is that on the left, now you have people being mad at a person who makes, you know, a couple million dollars off of spreading the good word. And then they yeah, use... BLM, you mean? Uh, uh, yeah, them included. Definitely. A very good example. Body very snatchers? Good body example. snatchers? This is the lady buying $4 million worth of properties. Is and you're BLM talking about, uh, pod people? Um, podcasters who buy millions of dollars in property. This is exactly oh, right. akin to me as seed faith pastors. I'm giving you the good word. You need to pay me this money so I can spread the good word. And I'm not going to put the money back into the movement. I'm going to spend it on me because I need this to spread the good word. One for the doctor. That's so, <laughs> a- AOC. That's a-, a problem. AOC is such a perfect example uh, that Thaddeus brought up. And like I'm I'm implicated in this. I was caught up in the hype. Um, you know, I think the most prominent podcast in these spheres was Chapo Trap House, who was just, you know, uh, in, in full celebratory mode when she got elected. And nobody could do the materialist analysis to uh, all this was publicly available at the time. She was being funded to the gills by Silicon Valley venture capitalists. Wow, really? She was, yes. She her campaign was being funded to the gills by gills by other capitalists uh, on the other coast. Um, her, uh, if you look at finance people, yes. If you look at the vote tallies, if you look at the vote tallies against her and Joe Crowley, uh, she won the gentrifiers. She won people on the upper end of the income spectrum. These are the people who voted for her. Crowley was voted. Uh, the people who voted for Crowley were the struggling people in that district. So working class people voted for the machine. The people who were getting forced out by gentrification. And again, all of this was available to good, real Marxists. To look at this data, but we, we, and myself included, I was like, oh man, she's my age. Me too. She is a socialist. Me too. Yes. And we body snatcher. Why why couldn't we just look at the hard material data? We got caught up in a celebrity culture of everything Thaddeus just said. AOC is the perfect example. Pod people body snatched us. Amy, Amy, are you still with us? Yeah, I'm here. AOC, pod Mm -hmm. person or no? Absolutely. Absolutely. Bernie Sanders, pod person, yeah, or mm, nine. Became one. I don't think so, man. I think he's just, I think he's more like Donald, Donald Sutherland. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I, I did I did my bit. I, I burned a few fucking plants and yeah, you guys that, aren't that going means, with it. Yeah, but that means he is a pod person. Or he's Donald Sutherland who isn't actually, That's what I mean. who hasn't been had, but he's just acting the part in order so right. he doesn't get busted. That's what I think. Let me, okay, so let me just, so I want to give an example that motivated this comparison because I think it's a good one. Uh, And just to sort of round this out before we move to the next thing uh, Amy wanted to talk about. um, An example of this that I thought of is, you know, like as a socialist, I think we should abolish the police. As a socialist. Right. I mean, that's that's like a body snatched kind of thing. Like as a socialist, I'm going to frame everything in terms of identity politics. I, w- during the 2020 Sanders campaign, I went to Iowa with some well-meaning young people, and they were really excited because Vampire Weekend was playing. Um, and the one, and, the, and I remember driving there, and the one kid said, "You know, Bernie Sanders says um, billionaires shouldn't exist. I mean, he doesn't really literally mean that, does he?" And I said, "Well, what do you think it means? I mean, it's expropriation. Like, there shouldn't be billionaires who have a wealth tax. Tax that wealth away because we shouldn't have billionaires." And he's like, "Oh, well." my conservative friends wouldn't like that. And I thought, so what? I mean, what do you think you're going for? You're going to go knock on doors for this campaign. And he's, and, and it turns out really they were just stoked about the vampire weekend show and asked me if I wanted to like 
you know, smoke some pot. And I was just so disappointed. And I just said, fuck this. And I went in, you know, and it's just like that. I mean, nice people, nice people, but they don't know what they're getting into. Like literally. Who the, does? The one kid, fair enough. But the, the one kid, the one kid like was so shell-shocked and traumatized by knocking on door after door and talking to people he didn't already know that he had a little meltdown. And I had to take him back uh. to the car and plug him into Twitter so that he put his headphones on. I mean, back some people are like that. I've, I've had that happen in, in all their manic campaigns where I, I, I've gone out. I, I've gone out with people where they were much more comfortable. Like, I don't speak Spanish. I'm in a Spanish area. So this lady, you know, sends me on doors alone. I meet someone in Spanish. I'm like, hey, come over here. I get comfortable because <laughs> I'm that type of person. But I've been out with people who I'll be like, hey, you know, we're learning together. You take point for a while after I take point and show you how, how we do this. And they just can't do it. You know, some of that is sure. just a personality issue, you know? Well, it's like, yeah, whatever. But I just mean, people are getting involved, like socialism, socialism, but then they don't know what it means. And as it turns out, it's just a social event. Um, and so that's, I mean, like body snatchers aren't like morally evil. They're just one species trying to they're exist. They're moral. They're amoral. Right. That's what I mean. And so it's not like... Uh, they're not evil. That just seems that's like... a the problem. They have no capacity for good or evil. Pod people to me, but I don't know. But they're I've, destructive. Now, the question is, is Adolf Reed Jr. a body snatcher? Wait, are we going on a part two? <laughs> See, this is just, I don't know. I feel like to a certain extent. Not, not, to, not to defend He's Adolf Reed. He's just going to drop that on everybody. Yeah, not to defend Adolf Reed or, 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 uh, or fight against him, but I don't know. I think, I, I think actually Amy said this at the beginning. The, 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 the danger with these is they're just very flexible analogies that you can just apply to anything. That's why they're fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> it is fun. But it reminds me of like, I mean, there's a bunch of sci-fi stories that get used this way in American like culture. Like the Matrix. The Matrix. Yeah, like, yes. It's yeah, Christianity. It, it's capitalism. Red, it's communism. Red-pilled red about anything, you know, and um, or, or the big one that has been used for a long time is 1984. Right. You know, X, okay. Y, and Z. If it's like annoying to me, then it's Big Brother. And it's if it's defending my liberty. Or fascism is anyone I don't like. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Anyway. But Amy, um, you're the one that brought the Adolf Reed piece about what is it? The, the entire country is the Reichstag. You brought that into connection with this. How did you see the connection? Right, the connection I saw just in the overhead. Wait, um, wait, wait, wait. Backtrack. Just summarize it for us real quick. The article. Oh, don't make can. me do that. Um, I mean, it's, so it seems to me that. Thesis oh, first. Thesis first. Yeah. And then we'll come back. What Adolf Virginia is saying is that there's a serious, serious threat from the Republican Party that they are um, uh, following a strategy of ending American democracy and creating an authoritarian regime. And he's saying that, uh, you know, my my friends and colleagues who believe that the Democratic or that, you know, the sort of the liberal Democratic Party is uh, the more dangerous threat are wrong and that the Republicans are a very serious danger that we need to immediately uh address um that's how i would okay, summarize I, I take it thanks, back. thanks i take it back daniel adolf reed's a body snatcher oh no no, no. i, I <laughs> this, absolutely agree with adolf reed on that point. this is why i'm glad i got the four of us together we're gonna get some diversity <laughs> this, is, this is why daniel wanted me on some this diversity episode. of opinion here okay amy what's the connection so the connection that i made was just when we when daniel said that he wanted to talk about the, the invasion of the body snatchers and you know these different kinds of uh interpretations of the metaphor is, you know, anti-communist or blah, blah, blah. Um, I wanted to talk about rhinoceros as um, a kind of uh, parallel uh, 
play. So Rhinoceros is a play by the French playwright Eugene Onesco. It was premiered in the late 50s, like 1959, and was an anti-fascist. It was, a, it was about Nazism. So you have a, a town of people and uh, a rhinoceros comes into the town and then people start getting sick and they start turning into rhinoceroses. And, uh, you know, one by one, the entire town uh, falls apart and they all even and eventually the lead character uh, also becomes a, a rhinoceros. And these rhinoceroses, you know, they break shit up. They are deeply destructive. They are, they are Nazis. Um, Fuck shit up. And, <laughs> you can't and domesticate so I was planning, a rhinoceros. I, I was planning just on talking about the fact that, you know, you, the invasion of the body snatchers I see is kind of a conformist analogy. And then you could also, you could put anything you want into like what, conforming to what, but it's ultimately a piece against conformism. Um, and I wanted to talk about rhinoceros as an anti-fascist, uh, an example of anti-fascist uh, conformism or an example of a piece of a literary work that's against conformism in, in, on the right wing. And then the, the opening of the Adolf Reed Jr. piece is a direct quote from Rhinoceros. And I thought that that was an interesting connection uh, that he's, you know, he's talking about the, I mean, he's talking about the United States, the right wing as being body snatchers ultimately. And he's talking about them as being rhinoceroses, but really, could you explain thing. that? How does that work? And what is, what is the meaning of that starting with UNESCO? What is the meaning? Um, I thought Thaddeus had a really good reading of it beforehand, which which was uh, that uh, you know he the lead character see is seeing something that everyone else thinks is okay, but he knows that it's not okay, um, and that's the the demise of society into an authoritarian right wing uh, society. Come um, on, it'll feel better when the when they body snatch you. You won't have right. to worry. Right. Right. And I think the connection that I make in the read piece is he's talking about all of these different kind of fractions. And it's interesting. They're very identity based, um, a very wide range of, of interests and uh, positions, but that he sees are, are joining up with what he ultimately calls as Trumpism as the ultimate right wing problem um, that is uh, eroding American democracy. But the funny thing here is, you know, so the rhinos are taking over. Um, but you know, rhino means Republican in name only. So the re so the Republicans all got body snatched. Somebody's. Well, I think yeah, the Republicans have been body snatched a long time ago. That was a completely different direction. But I mean, and this this would be very hard to tie together because I think, and this is what I mentioned because we had a big debate on this whole article in a mm -hmm. group in a group chat. Um, I I mean I must I mean I just I mean we all we all get our news and our current events analyses from somewhere you know, from some mediating media. Um, and I just must not be reading the same sources that other uh, self-identified socialists, radicals are reading. You watch Justice Watch? I don't read. I, I don't know what Justice Watch <laughs> But um, this is, why, yeah, I, I just don't even know where to begin. I mean, the whole piece just read like the most insane uh, cloistered ivory tower projection of a, of a blue no matter who Democrat. I mean, it just, and it didn't even feel like the Adolf Reed I used to read. That's the thing. It felt like a sharp change. So it was, it was, it was partisan projection. That I, mean, I will give you. It was very partisan. That's, that's the only mm -hmm. problem I had with it. But the analysis of the danger of the Republican Party swinging towards authoritarianism through <laughs> anti-democracy, I, I agree with that. That's well, let's obviously come, their program. Let's come back to the word authoritarian. in history when the Republican Party has been more marginal. Let's come back to the word authoritarianism. Yeah. I will make this concession. <laughs> I remember reading about things. There's, you know, People meet like dark money stuff like the Koch brothers and stuff 
there was some convention, I think 2016 in Phoenix, where people get together and they say, look, we need to take over the state legislatures because if we get to 60%, we can have a constitutional convention, start changing the constitution. And they want to do this to like rewrite documents in their favor. So, I mean, there are people out there on that side, let's say, that there aren't two sides, but there are camps and in that camp who want to do stuff like that. I mean, so that seems to be right accurate. But the question is like, is this just herding the cats back into the Democratic Party? Because I, yeah, I, you know, this authoritarianism, you know, somebody said like, well, living under neoliberalism might suck, but at least it's not authoritarianism. And I thought, my God, we have authoritarianism in the private sphere. Here's, here's the argument that me and Daniel came to with that is that you have authoritarianism in the, 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 the private sphere, right? Work or die, But basically. what the Republican Party's program is, is to create authoritarianism within the public sphere and the private sphere. Like, they, there is no difference between Republicans and Democrats on authoritarianism, on, on allowing people to have little fiefdoms and monopolies inside of the private sphere. The difference to me seems to be that one has a constituency that demands, you know, uh, at least the presentation of democracy and parliamentarianism, however that word works. Um, well, but and that's the question. The if other one just wants to take over. I mean, is, is, <laughs> is formal procedural Sorry. democracy like, like, okay, it may suck and everything's fucked up and nothing works and workers are just getting shit on and chewed up and spat out, but but at least we have formal procedural democracy. I mean, the Marxists of the old stripe would say, well, formal democracy is just a sham. Justice is blind and equality is just a way of, before the law is just a way of masking real inequality. Mm -hmm. So what was shocking to me is to hear Marxists defend procedural democracy. Because mm -hmm. I thought like, uh... But I think it's kind of like, you don't want to make the mistake of, um, what is it? The, um, what is it? The, 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 the second communist, whatever. International. International, mm -hmm. where they sided with, like the, the Germans decided, oh, we're, we're still going to fight World War II and we're going to go with the Nazis, right? Um, the idea is that- Proto-Nazis. Yeah, proto-Nazis. When you see something coming, you point it out for the danger that it potentially could be. Maybe uh, that's what Donald Sutherland was doing when he pointed to that woman and screamed. He's like, ah, oh, get out of here. The humans are coming. Has, oh, has anyone here read the, uh, the Mueller report, so-called? That's not no. its official title. No, no, no. I think we all know what that signifies. No, I uh, that's and I'm gonna. I'm, I might sound like a lib on the surface here, but that is for to to start to make sense, in my opinion, of the past. What are we at now? Past five or six years. That is a very seminal, important document to read cover to cover. Mm. Um, it is. It is a, basically. It's. It's a map for regime change and color color revolution as applied in the U.S. Um, whereas in the past, the deep state used to attempt it or used to successfully implement these methods overseas. Uh, so you mean beginning. they just brought it home? Yes. And then they, they're, what's nice about the Mueller report, this is publicly available for free. It's a government document, is how explicit they are about this. And the motif that emerges again and again is that Russiagate was a method to make sure no officials in the Trump administration could govern. And that's the verb that's used again and again to govern. Um, they were they were blocked at every turn uh, by the uh, officials on the other side of the aisle, who I believe are far more authoritarian in their methods and far more subtle about it uh, than Republicans in this current day and age. Uh, from day one and even before the election results came in, casting doubt on that election, um, which was a very clear cut populist victory. 
um, and and using using Russian interference. The Russian government caused this to happen as the excuse. Then, and the the most recent country where they attempted this, the most recent region uh, overseas was in Hong Kong, uh, with with violent protests in the lead up to an election. The implicit message being vote in our party into power and this violence will stop. Then you see a state, Clinton in 2016, uh, won by a very slim margin. It was one of her slimmest margins, Minnesota. You see that state erupt into violence that made Hong Kong look like a playground. And you can quantify that in the damage that was done. Um, And then (laughs) Joe Biden's margins in Minnesota are, I think, at least 10 times that much. Uh, that that Clinton won it by. They got that state. Um, they they uh, in my opinion, they used the methods of color revolution. They they used the methods of color revolution that they had perfected in other countries, applied it here to great success. And now, after four years of Russia, 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 you cannot trust our election systems. They're unstable. Now, oh, you're a fascist. What, are you shitting if me? If you though? if you question the results. Of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. So I mean, it's 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 obviously sides. It's obviously sides. It's good yes, when we course. do it. It's bad when they but, do but it. How old are you, Jet? Thirty-one. Uh, right, no, so, no, sorry, I just turned thirty-two. I need. Okay, to so you're 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 pretty much the same. He's age. gonna lay it on you. So like, you were around. Let me get a cigarette. In the year two thousand. Right? Oh yes, Florida, so, Florida, hanging chads. Right. So when we're 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 talking about bringing back some uh, delegitimizing elections. Um, we got to bring it back to like, like this, this isn't new, right? This, I don't, I can't even say with any certainty, the genesis of one side versus another or you delegitimizing even, an election. You can even go back um, to like a Robert A. Caro's LBJ series. And they'll talk about how, when they were establishing the Mexico, Texas border, the way that they would just buy off counties, Democrats and Republicans. Mm-hmm. And so I, I want to be 100% clear this is not a defense. I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not a Republican. I want a clear materialist analysis of what's going on. Okay, good, good. That, that, that's, that's, that's pretty much all I want to clarify because <laughs> I, I, I get this sentiment on the left of that the Republican Party isn't a problem. It's, it's kind of, I don't know if Chet's That's not the question. This. Is it the problem? or is Right, 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 right. Because it is a problem. Like, I don't know if Adolf Reed is saying necessarily, well, from reading it at a glance, Adolf Reed is saying that it's the Republican the Party is the problem, right? And that I would not absolutely agree with. But as far as his analysis of like the extent of them being a problem, I think he's correct as to what their aspirations are and what they're doing to achieve those aspirations. Sure, right? but the, but the Democrats' strategy is just to drag their feet while the Republicans do it. So it's not like the Democrats are who we right. have to I look to. I think they're they're very symbiotic. How right? Are the Democrats dragging their. What do you mean dragging their? What feet? I mean is, it's like the, it's, like it's, it's they say beneficial. don't don't, but then they benefit from everything the Republicans and do. And how they're they're like they, they get elected Trump by resistance, the but they don't do yeah. anything. Like oh, uh, like Daniel said, like you said, we're better than the other guy. That's that's Joe Biden's campaign. What about the other guy? Right. And that has merit because the other guy is inflicting pain on people, right? That people witness. And, you know, for some people, that is pain based on their ideology. He's not inflicting pain on billionaires. Um, neither are the Republicans, right? Oh, oh, you mean Biden or Trump? We, neither, neither one of right, them are right, right. inflicting pain on billionaires. But when you're talking about, when we're talking about like what the new, new left has become, um, like they are inflicting pain on, like 
if, if you're breaking things down to identities besides uh, working, besides class, right? So class is not an you have George Bush who basically had in his platform, he was trying to make a constitutional amendment that said gay marriage was illegal. Um, you have a whole, uh, you know, uh, ideological movement around transgender bathrooms for a while. You have an ideological movement on the right against critical race theory. So you have all of these ideologies being attacked. And that's where the symbiosis comes in, because you can't say to someone who identifies with an ideology that they're not being attacked by the right. What you can tell them is that that shouldn't be their focus, right? That's what you can try to explain to people. That's hard sell. But you can't tell them that it's not happening, right? And that it doesn't hurt them. You can't tell, you can't sell that to people. And that, that's kind of, you know, where the right being dangerous is that they do have a program of marginalizing everyone to the bare bones. And the left has no program. Yes. And you have to understand, right? I say it to, to, to people all the time, right? I'm going to get crude in a second, so brace, sorry. Brace yourself. Um, Trigger warning. That the difference for like black people between the Democratic and the Republican Party is that, yeah, both of them will send you to war and, you know, take your money and send you to work until you die. But at least the Democrats will do it without calling you a nigger, right? So that's that that's important that's important to people and you can't tell them that that's nothing those are two different claims what, though yeah, that's important gonna... and that's important to people what and do you then, mean well because like for instance in the discussion like we may live under oh, neoliberalism that's, that's important tactically if it's important to people right that's the distinction right but when you say that's important period you're saying you're making a sort of more absolute claim okay so yeah, yeah not important period but if you are trying to organize people mm -hmm. to do something you want mm -hmm. You're, you're going to have to figure out how your economic program is going to alleviate those ideological issues as well. That brings up an interesting, just quick side discussion. And I feel, you know, because like I, I'm part of this class unity caucus with all this anti-identity politics stuff. I think these, these uh, broad identity categories are going to get more and more deconstructed and dissolved. Like, like we talk about some black community. Uh, a black community, mm -hmm. a Hispanic community, the gay community, and and do it in these these broad sort of catch-all ways. Like Trump is Trump's last campaign already started to tear this down as he saw unprecedented gains. I mean, since since the days of the Republican Party being associated with he Lincoln lost Hispanics and, and he gained with Hispanics from oh, from from oh, Mitt Romney, but not Joe, not George Bush. From from the Republican Party since Reconstruction, they they hadn't seen. Uh, black voters, uh, Hispanic voters. He definitely did categories. not gain with Hispanics over George W. Bush. Over George W. Bush? No, not that, even close. Uh, not even close. Amy, That's, Amy, can you help us? Yeah, I feel I, like maybe, George maybe, W. Maybe Bush I, got I, about. I'm, I'm waiting to see where Chet goes by saying that he thinks identity is going to dissolve. Um. Yeah. Well. Like. Uh, well. Because. Uh. Under antagonistic class relations in a in a capitalist nation state, um. Those. Uh. Class distinctions. And maybe this is optimistic. I think it's optimistic. Yeah. I but think it's, it's very optimistic. Where I'm going. I think these these uh, class distinctions are going to become sharper. Class struggle becomes sharper. And on the other side, as you see that, and this is what the Democratic Party is doing, and this is what currently. I'm not defending the Republican Party. I'm just saying I have to engage with each wing of capitalism opportunistically, currently the Democrats are doing far more and are, are implementing far more of their power 
to keep workers divided along identity lines yeah. because they see the class struggle sharpening. Yeah. I don't see currently. that, man. And it, it, this does go in in uh, valleys and peaks. Um, Let me tell they, you they're the going to adjust their strategy. Wait a sec. Wait a sec. Amy, how, yeah. how about that? You said yeah. you're waiting to see where it goes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what are you asking? Well, yeah, you, you saw where it, it went. What do you think? You be. Did, I mean, you said it's I'm, optimistic. Do you think it's, is it just optimism? I mean, that's my, so what I'm seeing is that, um, that identity in, in the sense of like, I agree with Daniel that class isn't an identity, but the, the identities that have been, that have been sort of laid out, uh, by the, the, into the political arena are becoming more and more, uh, the, They've become their own kind of site of 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 value and of power, and I think this is becoming more and more the case. But I'm I'm still waiting. But who's to sort of- pushing that? I mean, Chet's basically saying the one the the people pushing the identity stuff. It's more let's not say left I mean, if we're going to get into that, but like left leaning, like, like identify liberals. the capitalist parties. Well, like Democrats. Democratic parties. I'm whereas whereas the Republicans, I mean, you can criticize the reasons for it. You could say they're majority white. Yeah, but but they're not pushing the identity stuff. Here's the thing: I I I think that would be wrong, and I think it's in the sense of it's very um, nationalist to have that view, um, because the Republican Party's program has been to vilify people on the basis of identity, i.e., immigration, uh, yeah, for yeah. the longest fucking time. Na- right, national, but they, national identity. But they don't consider. Yeah, right. And I mean, the Democrats engaged in. And that now too. they're doing it with China, right? And I, w- I would say, caveat to that, Democrats are joining in, you and know, I, I, all in against China, which doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Well, that's, that's their approach. Well, it like, makes perfect sense. Again, ain't no Chinese ever called me. <laughs> Fill it in. Well, uh, I mean, they're talking. At, uh, at least we Trump, have formal Trump democracy. Also, Trump also gained with Chinese Americans. Did he? But in I know he lost with uh, Muslim and Indian Americans. Oh, he's never got. I mean, oh, you guys. Guys, I wish they could hear the grin on your face. This was just a, I mean, and this was something I did like, I mean, I'm just, this is sort of personal anecdote or whatever. I did, I voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. So did I. I I hated her, but that was disgusting to me. And it remains disgusting to me that you would, you would ban, you would ban. I mean, I'm just sounding like an orange man, bad uh, Radlib here, but like that you would ban people on the basis of their religion. I mean, that was just... That oh, was yeah, I went that, to the protests at the airport, too. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my God, but that's still revolting. I'm glad... Chad, um, are you registered that, in Illinois? Uh, currently, yes. In 2016, were you, were you registered? Oh, no. I, I voted in Indiana. Okay, I was, I was, okay. I was okay. slim, slim yeah, hopings okay. for a okay. 2008 slim hopings. Yeah. yeah, okay. It was 2008, we went blue for yeah. Barack Obama. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So you're saying that Obama voters voted for... Voted for the orange man bad? See, it just gets complicated. But what you're making, it and does. this is what's sad to me about Adolf Reed's current level of analysis, the point you're making was already made by Adolf Reed yeah, several course. years ago. Of course. So yeah. the, the question is, in the interim, did what the body happened? snatchers, did the pod people body snatch him? I don't think so. Who, I don't Adolf know. Reed? I don't know. Um, no, he's always, and this is the thing. Because he was the first one to say Obama wanna, about Obama in 1996. I know, but here's what Adolf Reed does always say, and he's always been consistent. He's a great scholar. I think this piece, I, I found this piece silly, but nobody bats a thousand or whatever. Um, Adolf Reed, he's always said when it comes time for general elections, 
He's always done the podcast circuit, and he said, hold your nose and vote for the Democrat. Mm-hmm. He's always been, been vote blue no matter who, and at least compared to some of these other podcast grifters, at least he's he always been it. honest about it and straightforward about it. Yeah, I'll tag onto that also. When I was thinking, like, what? Um, it did dawn on me. He's very forthright in that article about, he says, social democracy, social democracy, social democrat. He doesn't say, like, as a socialist, vote Democrat. That would be some body snatcher stuff. So if he's not, it's because he's honest about the fact that he's basically a social Democrat. And social Democrats do do the right. national thing, like Amy said. You know, it was Amy, I think, World War One. the social Democrats, or was it you, that is? In World That's War I, the social Democrats got behind got behind the empire. That was right. Thaddeus, yes, yeah. that was not me. And they went and died in the trenches fighting French working class people. So, I mean, yeah, okay, if that's what it is, then I guess it's just consistent if it's always been social democracy. Has anyone read this article in The New Yorker by Jane Mayer that um, Reed talks about? He says uh, in a recent New Yorker article that should be required reading for anyone who diminishes the threat or clings to the view that neoliberal Democrats are somehow the greater danger for progressive interests. Jane Mayer examines the vast dark money network underwriting the accelerated assault on democratic institutions we face at this moment. Has anyone read that? I read the Jane Mayer, the book, Dark Money, which I'm guessing was that article just yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excerpt assuming. of that book. What that's Coke money basically, and James Buchanan and stuff. Yeah, the the Cokes are interesting. They're a great uh, 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 topic for for this kind of discussion because I mean, it's like Bernie Sanders told Vox dot com, "Open borders." That's a Koch brothers proposal. The Koch brothers, just like all other capitalists for the most part, play play both sides of this. What well, I think we're seeing things sharpen uh, with the intra class struggle between our capitalist elites. Right. Uh, I, th- I think that's what we're Agreed, seeing now. We're right. seeing an intra-class struggle. And what I want to ask is, as, as, as workers, as the working class, what, what uh, side would be advantageous to us to opportunistically engage with right now? And I submit and have been submitting since uh, the mid the 2018 midterms about that the, uh, it's time for some more opportunistic reengagement with Republicans and that Democrats are the far more antagonistic of that, of those wings of capital. Hmm. I, it depends. It depends on what you mean by that. Well, um, in like rural areas, if you're talking about democratic voters, because there is a democratic voter base that is very working class, or if you're talking about the Republican voter base that is working class, which one is more amenable to there's, uh, yeah, s- uh, you know, workers' ownership of the means of production. There, there's a there's a lot that needs to be that needs to be clarified and quantified and et cetera. There. So, for example, here in Chicago, not to dox us, but we they all know that this is yeah. This is we say it's a Chicago podcast. My name is jo- my name is John Smith, and yeah. I work at the uh, the taco here, factory here in, here in Miami, Florida, <laughs> <laughs> Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah, yeah, We're all here, in different yes, places. Here in Albuquerque, no, uh, no. Here here in Chicago. Um, that would be a, a nonsensical and suicidal thing to do if you wanted to be a socialist who engaged electorally or a socialist org that engaged electorally to to pursue what I just advocated back there. You engage with the Democrats because it's just a democratic town. And that's just what you do. Um in, in other in other and I mean, oh, Jamal has a great article about this. Yeah, no, nothing I'm I saying think we, we talked be, about it here. Yeah, nothing I'm saying right now should be uh uh, perceived as an as a uh, reflection of the class unity party line, but I am I am a member. <laughs> this does not Should constitute like legal advice. Video of you? Right, right. All I, things I, here I, are the I, thoughts and opinions of Chet only, and they do not reflect exactly. on the class unity caucus. I do, I do we, this careful. podcast does not endorse this <laughs> statement. Yeah, I do. I do have to be careful. But yeah, because I am a member of the central committee of this mm, organization. I'm going to bleep I, that. I have to be very close to a to a media policy. So not, nothing I'm saying here is representing, but I do want to promote. 
uh, Jamal's article on this on our website, classunity.org. You just go to the articles tab, and I forget what it's called, but it's one of Jamal's articles about electoral strategy. And he says, you know, you're in a red state and you want to engage opportunistically with electoralism as a socialist org, you run a Republican. Yeah. If you're in a yeah, blue yeah. state, you you run a Democrat. So when I when I'm saying what I said back there is and, and there's there's very limited relevance to this, and I'm not sure exactly how it would play out concretely in the near future. But what I'm talking about more strategically is looking at national trends of these parties mm-hmm. and how the R, the RNC is evolving or mutating mm-hmm. and how the DNC metastasizing metastasizing how the DNC is evolving or mutating. So one thing in the article he says is that the idea that there is a populist right is a myth. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that seems to be opposed oh, to gosh. like the state. Will the real populism, please stand up. And sure. I mean, populism but, might be a myth created by elites to shit yeah, on working that's people. What I think. But um, I think the question is that you have to ask yourself whether you're talking about engaging with uh, the Republican Party or the Democratic Party first is where are you localized? What can you engage with? Uh, Chet went over that. And it's also if you're talking about at large and you're engaging on a national level, which to me is impossible. So take this with a grain of salt. Um, you have to ask, where can you have the most gains? Who, who is going to shut you down? Who has the power to shut you down more easily than the other? Right. And I would say the um, ability of the Republican Party to astroturf uh, populism from uh i guess to uh basically have it funded by their billionaires both sides have their billionaires but uh who's funding the grassroots i'd say that the democrats are much more effective at co-opting their grassroots body snatchers body snatching and the republicans just create one they just create it out of nothing i don't know out of nothing because is the is the latest exa- sure. is the latest example at a national level donald trump no, no, I think oh, okay. uh, the latest example would be the latest example is is like, you know, anti-vax. Oh, sure. So, well, you, that Glenn Beck business, that, the, it, he did this too at a huge convention. So I would, I would talk about out of nothing there because, uh, I mean, this is I mean, and, and leftists and I, you know, I, I never I never tire of pointing it out, unfortunately, though, this is very tiring. Um, leftists, you know, in the. In the latest uh, push for Medicare for all and the Bernie Sanders campaign, you know, I, I, I donated, you know, over a thousand dollars to to the Bernie Sanders campaign and I door knocked and everything. Um, there was a big push uh, correctly, understandably, for skepticism of big pharma and their 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 profit motives yeah. for criticism of big pharma. Now, all of a sudden, when it comes to a, a brand new vaccine with a with a disease with yeah. a 99 yeah. something percent survival rate, all of a sudden the left falls in line behind big pharma. And all of a sudden now it's this fake right populism that is critiquing big pharma and saying that you can't trust these profit motives. And it just all of this seems like shifting. Sands. It's not it's not the fake right populism against big pharma, right? Because number one, the argument on the left against big pharma wasn't as to the efficacy of the drugs. It's to the distribution of the, um, the, 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 the earnings from those Well, drugs, and the monopolies. Right? That's, Monopoly that's, that's the problem. So I wouldn't say that is the characteristic of this right-wing populist um, opposition to the vaccines. It's against the actual science of the vaccines. That's a very different opposition than what was on the left. And when I say that, not that it's pulled out of nothing because there is this impetus, there's always been anti-vaxxers, right? But 
the idea that every single conservative media falls in line with this message that there's no debate on the right lends me to say similarly on the left with all of this anti or this this pro Afghanistan war rhetoric that's coming out now that when people are aligned to that degree the media seems to be pushing a message that is advantageous to somebody and is probably disadvantageous to working class people cuz i would say if they were pushing a real message they it's would always. tell the right wing populace that's your drug you can distribute it how you want it and you can take it how you want it and your government can should own it, put it rather than ass. be buying it yeah but so, i mean the patents are held i guess the the because i i want to i want to understand the second point you were making better about the media because what you were yeah, saying, i think it's a media yeah, problem well yeah what you were saying about the media seemed to like speak to a lot of anti-vaxxers um mm. i don't i don't think that's like a that's like a slur or anything because I actually have some cousins and they actually embraced that. I just want to make sure I'm not straw manning anybody, not slur. There's, there's like, a lot of people who are anti-vax yeah, for religious reasons. Yeah, but they, I mean, I'm saying and that's they, okay. I'm trying to think of the term. that I they, mean, you have no choice. I'm trying to be politically sure correct and think about the term that they would use. But I remembered I do have some cousins who like they don't vaccinate their kids. Yeah. They explicitly identified as anti-vax. So I think I'm good there. I think I'm politically correct. <laughs> I just wanted to check myself. Um, but so the, to the first point about like, yeah, uh, I, I guess I would, I, would, I would partially grant that the Medicare for All movement uh, had very little, if nothing, to do with arguments about the efficacy of the drugs. For example, the, the big example that Bernie Sanders leaned on was insulin and insulin access, not mm -hmm. questioning the effect, the efficacy of insulin. However, there are these, there were, were these adjacent movements that had a lot of left, right crossover for example, about the skepticism of the profit-driven psychiatry industry and how all of these antidepressants, they do nothing, talking about efficacy there. Um, and then at different points in time, mm. the, the anti-vax movement has had a lot of left-right crossover. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I agree, uh, yeah. Oh, and then the second point was like to, to talk about the science. I mean, is uh, unfortunately, in, in a capitalist country, these, are, these studies are funded by the same people who stand, who stand to make a lot of profit from distributing a lot of vaccines. Well, that's the ultimate PMC conformist instance there where it's like, do just obey the experts, right? It's, it comes out with ecology too. It's like, just obey the experts. The science is in, this is the word, there's no thing to talk about, just obey. But you said two things, two things came up, one that are interesting in that article um, about myths. You used the word co-opt earlier and mm -hmm. um, he, he said that, he suggested basically it's a myth that movements like uh, BLM were authentic and then they were co-opted. Um, and why? Well, it's just something that might be worth talking about. Also, he said, <laughs> "Let's be honest. Uh, let's be honest. Uh, Medicare for all is dead in the water." These mm -hmm. these seemed like class Pro provocative, right? In like in line with his usual. That's what I get from most of the old dudes, right? Adolf Reed and. Um Chomsky and Bernie to an extent is that there's a certain level of defeat that's in them. Like for a lot of the young leftists, when Bernie Sanders lost, they go crazy into identity politics and they're ser searching for the next movement, right? Because they want shit done quick and they're pissed. Whereas like the old dudes keep on telling you, hey, calm down. We all know from our experience that you're not going to get shit out of these people. Don't <laughs> expect it from them. Just settle for this. That's what I get out of him. I, I, I think that's, that's the handicap. I don't think it's something like he's, he's you know, going to the, the right wing or, you know. I, I think, no, I didn't say that. I think it's just a little bit of defeat, man. They're tired. They're old. Um, 
to the to the first assertion about BLM being co-opted, mm-hmm. I, I understand this argument and how it goes. Like it's sort of like a kind of gotcha. It's like, oh, you think your movement got co-opted? What if it was part of the system all uh, along? Wait, wait, you know? dun, dun, but it's dun. like, and it's like, and I understand that argument, and then I understand the other argument, which says like this was. It's almost like it's almost like a Trotsky s betrayal narrative. Uh-oh. It's like uh, it's like you know we're going good, we're going good, we're on the path to 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 social justice, and and then boom, Pepsi buys us out, and that's the Ooh. you know the rev- <laughs> the revolution betrayed. Boom. Ooh. Um, whereas I don't, I don't think it's really that simple. You had people, you had people on the ground in Ferguson yeah. who were clearly a threat to the to the status quo in the state. Uh, Darren Seals was murdered mm. by the state. That was not. That was not a uh, that was not a uh, a, a, a gang related. Um, so what about what, this one? Um, what about what one? Socialism was an authentic movement until the 1930s, and then it got co opted by new leftists. You mean? Are you talking specifically about the U.S.? Yeah, because I was suggesting the new left, uh, but he snatched the old left again. And, and but is that the same myth narrative? This would just connect us, connect me back to BLM, and and answer your question. It goes back to that thing I was saying earlier. You just have to answer questions and, and, and show what you're doing. You know, are you are you improving the lives of the proletariat? Did you put the means of production under common ownership? You know, are you continuing to develop the forces of production for the benefit of, of, of the universal uh, collective and, and such and so on and so forth? So these these socialists in the U.S., no, no, they couldn't point to any of that. They were mostly good for uh, critique, and BLM can't point think to pieces, right. opinion Alice pieces, Garza, a, a, opinion, mon- opinion mongering. That's what they're good at, I guess. But I mean, some of those critiques are really good. Some of that writing is really good. Howard Fast is one of the best novelists uh, the U.S. ever ever knew, and he wrote great, really evocative socialist realist novels about working class struggles in the U.S. Hmm. And, and sure, he was PMC, but these were very these were very inspiring and and, and good. And likewise with a lot of people who wrote nonfiction and very good critique of the U.S. Well, maybe we can read them when we're in jail or on the toilet. Absolutely. And, and he spent some time in jail for the Redskins. <laughs> but um, <laughs> to, say, to say that these, I just, what we are, what we are is what we do. That's actually a direct quote from Class Unity's website. What we are is what we do. And I just want to be very careful with saying, like, these are the real socialists. These are the fake socialists. Right. I just care. What are we getting done? What can we show people? Where did we put bread on the table? Put your it. money where your mouth is. That's yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's it. But and and, and maybe, the other question. Maybe put your mouth where your and, money and is. Amy needs to jump in because she started this fight with the <laughs> Reed article. But like the the question then becomes, you know, you are what you do, and with the political parties, where can you do the most? That's the question you need to ask yourself. I I think, and when we do all of this debate of which party is worse than the other party. You're kind of missing the point that each party has monopolies in the region that they're in. And first, so that means that you're going to have to work with both if you want a universal, you know, working class politics. That's just a given. And then with the voters, you know, yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to work with the voters and either and you're going to have to work with the party apparatus because and, you're going to have to know how to fight your enemy mm-hmm. because at the, the end of the day both vote. parties are your enemy wherever you're at. So you what, you're both, what you're both saying is uh, Thaddeus and Chet what you're both saying is actually that uh real real socialists need to be body snatchers. If you live in New Hampshire, get into the Republican party and be a Republican but do things for <laughs> do things for socialism. If you we live were all in doing Chicago, the stare. be a Democrat. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, I mean I I can't this is this is a great You just blew my mind, yes, Amy. This is, this is an excellent twist. <laughs> you you, you should have seen it. Yeah, you've turned the snatcher the this the invasion of the body snatchers you've turned it on its head. Oh 
my God. Yeah, perfect. You yeah, found the absolutely. body snatcher standing on their head and you st- stood it on its feet. Yeah, perfect. Well, so what do you mean we got to be body snatchers? Yeah, well, I mean, I've honestly felt, I'm from New Hampshire originally, and I've always thought, you know, if things get really bad, I move back home and uh, become a Republican because uh, that's the only place where you could make, you know, I think where they would allow you to to, to make real change because there's a sort of, in, in New Hampshire, a kind of anti-establishment libertarian uh, Republican Party, and I think you could actually uh, make things happen in the Democratic Party it would be much more difficult. Um, but what I understood from what you were both saying was, okay, like, look where you are, you know, look at your context and then implement uh, our agenda uh, on the basis of the particular conditions of Yes. Of, of that, which for the United States makes a lot of sense because there is no, there are no parties. There are fundraising organizations that have no platform. And so any kind of national organizing is going to have to be deeply, deeply uh, attuned to the, the local uh, context. Socialism with New Hampshire characteristics. And, and here's why I always, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 you know, buck against the idea that one uses identity politics over the other because they both use identity politics first. And what I would say when they do that, if you're infiltrating either party, what you say is, eh, I see your identity politics. I agree with your identity politics. I'm going to raise you some class, too, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I really want to solve this problem. And then what working class person is going to disagree with class if you're already aligned with them on identity? They're not. I think that's the job, but you have to keep on. Because I was in a meeting in DSA and a guy was like, yeah, I know it's unpopular, but sometimes you have to be the guy that keeps on bringing up race. And what I would say (laughs) is, Was that person white? No, he wasn't. Okay. Sad face. Sorry. (laughs) Um, But But um, was he the only not white guy in the room? Of course not, because I was there. (laughs) (laughs) Follow, Follow the anecdote. But, uh, <laughs> okay, that was stupid. I shouldn't but, uh, have said that. <laughs> okay, so were there, three? were there three? Were there three? Yeah, there, there was. There was. Right, there okay, were a few. Fuck. I concede. But um, and 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 you know, me being a racist, I don't know what this dude was. He could have been. I, I, he was. He was brown. He was. He was tan. I don't even know if he was. He was tan, right? So what, I don't know what he was. What What did he but, mean by that? To be he here. meant that fucking literally. <laughs> he mm-hmm. meant that you always have to bring up like race and identity and talk about oh how is like like you have to bring up reparations and you have to bring up like affirmative action and see how is this policy going to affect you know someone's identity but what i would say is yeah you bring up the identity first but what you really press is the class you make that so marginal that you can just start to get into the talk about class and what you should be seen as i'm that guy to be that that guy or gal, you have to be the person who's like, oh no no, well, race is cool but class, race is cool but class. Where right? class, where class being right? like the, the issue with immigration is not that it's happening to um you know Mexican and Central American and South American immigrants, which all people think are Mexican anyway. Um, what what it's uh, happening to is working class people that are looking for a better life, and we need to be able to you know, open up the world for the working class, right? That, that's what you have to harp on. And you can do that while acknowledging that it's happening to brown people from Central and right. South America. So there are many avenues and you have to speak p- to people in the language they understand in order to connect. That I, that I understand and because agree with. Because that oppression that's applied to people as far as immigration is concerned 
is also applied to Polish immigrants, right? Right. So you're saying this is your this is your proposal for like how we can body snatch the body snatchers, right? You just one up them, right? And I think that's why they press identity so much because it's easy ground to stand on to be a moralist. It's like what are, what are the three types of um, speech or argument? You have uh, appeals to emotion, uh, appeals to authority, and you have appeals to logic, right? So the easiest argument is always the appeal to emotion. It's always the appeal to emotion. And I, I think when you, start, uh, when you start talking about class, then you start appealing to fact and logic. And they don't have ground to stand on that, so they always devolve to emotion. And so you're saying we need to make class emotional if we want to body snatch the body snatch. Yes. So I, I, I think you guys make, talking make class about class, not again. an identity. I think you do need to make class an identity, the identity. <laughs> Daniel's triggered. Rhetorically, yeah, rhetorically, sure. but don't poison your theory. Um, what do you mean? Anyways, backing I'm, up. I'm not a theorist, so, so break it down, man. No, well, not. Outward facing, if you got to do that strategically right. to win, do it. But like, yeah, 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 keep yeah. your analysis yes. separate from that. Well, you don't, you don't want to get high on your own supply. I right. remember being in organizations where they like study propaganda. You and don't want to be Ted Nugent. And that just turns into a smooth brain. But there's something you said um, about... Both of you kind of said this, like you got to do the specific situation in order to succeed in anything. It seems like there's a kind of dialectic there of the local identity, because like in this case where this guy says, you got to bring up race. Okay. So if you're in the situation where you got to do that, you got to do it. But then if you make that a general principle and you start talking about race in New Hampshire, you're not going to connect with them because that's not their language. And so the, the dangerous upshot is when you take that seriously and then you sort of you can't apply it then generally. You can't say we generally have to make race. Right. That's what I'm saying. You can't universalize. If you want to engage in, 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 in class politics, you cannot universalize identity politics. You can't. Because we need a concrete there is no universal. universal identity. Yeah, the, the, what is this? The dialectic of the universality and the particularity? We need a I concrete was just universal. You all screenshots about this last night. I was oh. in some feverish reading material. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean that's it's a it's a good it's a good principle to abide by in general. Um, I I would say, um, like I mean I, I get it. Like as an organizer, like for example, one time we were we had just been door knocking for. Uh, oh, how are we doing on time? All right, we're okay. We're approaching final thoughts. Oh, okay. As we were door knocking for Bernie Sanders' campaign, we went back to the campaign office and we were just chilling. And this, we you got this, your Bernie shirt. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah. How were you chilling? Were you chilling we, we and were, chilling, we were, chilling like a villain? We you know, were, what we type were of eating, We were eating Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Cool chilling. Very, right. very on brand. All right. Um, and uh, and this was this is in Roxbury in Boston. For those you know, who, they're anti-Semites, though, right? <laughs> oh, is that that's the new thing, right? With, Wait, with Israel and Zionism and yeah. the Roxbury like in Boston. Did you just say? Ben and Jerry. Yeah. Wow. Long. Yeah, um, okay. Crazy. Champagne socialism. What do you mean? What is what is this? Sounds fancy. Okay, Roxbury. Oh, like Night Ro- at the Roxbury? Maybe, maybe used to be. <laughs> Roxbury is the historically black, uh, one of the historically black neighborhoods oh, in I see, Boston. I see. Um, and uh, unfortunately, um, is experiencing a lot of uh, economic uh, struggles, uh, poor housing, poor infrastructure, things like this. Um, oh, Mal- Malcolm X spent a decent amount of time there. Um, anyway, so this 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 black dude about my age comes into the comes into the office and he's, you know, pissed at us. He has a parasocial relationship with Tariq Nasheed, one of my favorite YouTubers. Tariq Nasheed. Yeah. But he, and he's, he's, he's going on and on about, you know, the global system of racism, white supremacy, and like you all are 
you're you're just you know uh, uh, this is this is just sort of a part like socialism is is completely under you know the system of white supremacy and this is not going to bring about justice and you know these like Tariq Nasheed Neely Fuller type talking points and thankfully I read a lot of Neely Fuller and I watch a lot of Tariq Nasheed so and from an organizational one on one standpoint I was able to engage with him on those terms and talk to him about like you know what he wanted you know what he thought about different presidential electoral politics and so on. And we were able to have a good conversation because I understood where he was coming from and then he was able to understand where I was coming from. But I would say for most people who are going through economic troubles, just cutting right to class is going to take care of it. And just cutting right mm. to like, what do you need? What don't you have? What does your family need? Um, and, and what's going on there? Mm. But like overall, I understand the point on a case by case basis of, of sometimes needing to go through identity politics to get to i don't know if you can always cut to the quick because like uh, on the other side of like not the left version of you know race identity but religious identity that's that's always been effective in organizing people ah. you mean like jihad and shit no. yeah sure. religious, religious <laughs> identity <laughs> no, na I mean, national identity that was one thing i was going to say earlier was i would actually agree with you with your analysis that Sure, the Democratic Party seems right. to be leaning more heavily on identity politics, but if you include national identity ah. as an identity, then you definitely have to put the Republicans in that category. Sure, sure, because they're leaning I, I very strong. Yeah, too. yeah, I would agree. With I've that. I've had this argument before about like um like getting rid of any uh, connection to the flag, and and I was arguing that yeah, I yeah. can't do that because that's 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 mine. Right. Well, the, but the question you know? there, the question there though is so nationality. I mean, that's a that's a citizenship question, and then the question is is citizen is well. More maybe, but at least yeah. that. And so the don't, question don't, then is: I can, I, oh, never mind. Is citizenship <laughs> an identity? I don't. Think, I don't think citizenship is an identity. That's that's a that's a legal status in the eyes of the state. But being an an, an American. Okay, but now we're talking like being a patriot more more specifically. Yeah, but this is the stuff of like you know, there's music playing in the background. But and, that's the point, right? You know, right? But I'm just saying, is citizenship an identity? I don't yeah, think is it is. But I don't think we're discussing citizenship. Well, when we talk about national identity, it could be actually that we're discussing citizenship. Okay. I mean, not anywho. etymologically. Right. What? Not Whatever. etymologically. National, natal, uh, place sure. of where you're born. Sure, sure. Yes, sure. <laughs> but I mean, but isn't the, isn't the part of the point of America that the the American nation isn't isn't one of blood? It's one of <laughs> citizenship Are you hold me? On a second. i mean i'm talking <laughs> oh, at the level of oh. principle not at the level of fact i guess i mean the idea was meant to is it not that i mean because people sure, don't I, all I come from the same it's, place it's a nation of gentiles right so you don't belong to any faction and but you're all included inside of the faith that's america that's, it, that's it, the idea you gotta adhere to the faith though that's also america right if you don't love it leave it i guess yeah all right, so we're we're approaching time. Is there any like pressing last thought here? I would just I don't know, I would just wager this. What I did not anticipate um in advance, but I want to stress and and agree with is this idea of body snatching the body snatchers. <laughs> like that's cuz cuz we were joking like if you can't beat them, join them. Like you're mm -hmm. running down the street from the zombies, like actually if you just give up and let them bite you, then you got nothing to fear anymore. That so like just give in to the body snatchers. But if you're actually trying to body snatch the body snatchers, like negate the negation, I think that's something that that was an interesting suggestion. I don't have my own thoughts. Um, my final thought is um, like the, the most salient point made was that for, you know um, you have of course we always say you have to put your money where your mouth is, and 
you know, the idea, basically, like, we're, we're talking about co-opting these movements and that the proof is in, you know, what you do. So, you know, when you are body snatching the body snatchers, the effort is to get them to do something, right? So the way that you prove, again, so the body snatchers have a certain culture, and if someone doesn't adhere to it, they don't follow the rules, they recognize you as a body snatcher. If you show emotion, you're not a body snatcher, we're going to snatch you. Well, I would say, if we're the body snatchers, if we don't see you making any gains for working class people, and we don't see you expropriating any money from you know, uh, the financial class or the ruling class or the rentier class, then guess you're not. So are you going to snatch their body? We're going to snatch, we're going to snatch your body. <laughs> um, this sounds disgusting. <laughs> maybe, I don't know that, that, that goes against a little bit what we were talking about where you don't build a, you, you can't talk about who's the true socialist, but I, I, not, not, not necessarily because we're just talking about results. If you don't produce results, which is actually very Trotskyist. If you don't produce results, then we got to snatch your body, buddy. We got to replace you with, with somebody new. And I think we need to, and back to what I was saying briefly, we need to have that approach to um, our media figures. Because I don't think you can remove the notion of people not creating um, like uh, celebrities. People are always going to create celebrities. You know, they're going to create leaders. But the way that you basically, um, you know, kind of um, keep these leaders in line or keep them in check is say, if you're it's not Twitter, producing, right? eh, uh, not, I'm not there. So you, you tell me about that. Um, what you say to them is if you're not putting money back into the cause, if you're not putting, putting your resources beyond your, the money that we're giving you, your media empire, if you're not using that, you know, monetarily and, you know, physically, to you know practice what you preach then you're as good to us as seed faith pastors are to religion you're a parasite and we need to replace you you know that's what i think all right chet you're gazing and oh, very yeah. i was trying to find stalin's definition of nationality which is a, which is a great one but we can you just paraphrase it no i don't want to do that <laughs> All right. He deserves he deserves better. Um well sorry, final thoughts. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um Daniel should uh go door to door and invite his neighbors to be on his podcast. Is, is that how we body snatch the body snatchers? No, sorry. I was just I was just looking at your neighbors earlier. They're lovely people. Yeah. You they're, want them they're to... lovely people. All right. Is that really all you got? I'm sorry. I, I zoned out for too long. <laughs> uh, uh, body snatching the body snatchers. Body snatching the body snatchers. Uh, body snatchers. Snatch. Snatch. Brad. Brad. He <laughs> 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 malfunction. Major just meltdown. Free, just doing free association. Um, okay. So that's all right. Well, that's what's on your mind. Um, Amy, save us. I think the big question with the 1978 invasion adaptation is in in this last sequence where we're not totally sure is Donald Sutherland one of them or is he pretending to be one of them we see him in his office cutting up newspaper clippings um which was a an activity that he had done and you know it's one of those moments where you think ah he's still he's still himself 
because why, what would he, why would he be cutting up these newspaper articles uh, if he were uh, a conformist, if he were, um, if, if he were a pod person? Um, and then we, you know, see him uh, outside calling out the, the, the lady and just ostensibly having, you know, yes, become a, a pod person. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder you know what why what why is he cutting out this this newspaper article we don't see what is it about um and uh i like to i like to have this hope that we talked about at the beginning just that maybe maybe he actually is an op an operative uh an autonomous human being uh working within the pod people and uh and and perhaps we can learn something from becoming so, behaving so much within um even societies or or groups of people that we don't ideologically agree with but that we can so much convince them that we're one of them that they will ultimately follow us into the promised land i i hope to think that that's maybe possible without us actually becoming one of them ultimately uh even though we're not a pod person mm-hmm.